0: You are listening to the Sunnybrook Unscripted Podcast, where we talk real life, answer questions, and take a deeper, practical look at the topics we talk about on a Sunday morning. To learn more about Sunnybrook Church, including our Sunday gathering times and opportunities throughout the week, visit us online at sunnybrookchurch.org. Today, we are talking with Pastor Jeff Mose.
1: Welcome to the Sunnybrook Unscripted Podcast. I am Lydia Miller here with my dad pastor jeff and we are in week two on our kind of podcast series of what does the bible say about church so last week we covered kind of the origin of the church where we see the church in scripture the purpose of the church the mission of the church surprisingly that's a lot of subjects and you weren't that long-winded with it it was kind of short yeah
0: i can be succinct at times (laughs)
1: wow so today we are going to focus in just a little bit and cover a subject or a topic that maybe you have had more personal firsthand experience with we're going to take a look at basically different kinds of churches or different religions i guess that you could say um so to get us all kind of on the same ground basis many people may not know that but sunnybrook is technically considered a protestant church
0: Correct. And again, the word Protestant just means to protest. So we protested what was going on in the one original church. You know, that's what the Reformation is all about. We were protesting indulgences and penance and things that were being paid. And we were just always, we we call it reforming, back to form, going back to the Word of God and saying, does this align with Scripture? And there were several things that didn't. So it began the Protestant Reformation movement that you and I now are uh, are sort of a part of in terms of what uh, God's called the church to do and be, and so that's who we are, more of a Protestant denomination, although we don't use that term much anymore, but it really describes this idea of people that were looking back at the Word of God and saying, listen, some of the things in the church don't line with the truth of the Word of God, and we want to always, that was kind of the cry of the Reformation, semper referendum, always reforming, always going back to the Word of God and saying, does this match up.
1: I remember when I was younger, I could never remember if it was Protestant or Presbyterian because (laughs) it felt so similar. Yeah, that's true. Uh, But one thing I love about Sunnybrook is it kind of is a melting pot of people that have come from all sorts of different Methodist, Lutheran, Catholic, um, and I would say probably are our highest population of, you know, people that used to go to would be Catholic people. We have quite a few people that have come from the Catholic church and then typically get a lot of questions around that.
0: We we really do. In fact, if you ask, you know, in the typical new members class, hey, what was your background? Almost 50% of the people Mm -hmm. will say Catholic. Now Catholic is an incredibly large uh, group of people. And so I think if people have any religious background, it seems Mm -hmm. as though they come from more of a Mm -hmm. Catholic background.
1: So considering that, I think it would be helpful to kind of go side by side and talk through maybe what we believe and what people have maybe been taught in their Catholic faith or what the Catholic Church believes. If People are trying to compare, you know, which do I line up with or what's different if someone has come from the Catholic faith. So I want to just kind of walk through those with you a little bit. The first kind of major difference that we see is the authority of Scripture. Can you unpack that just a little bit?
0: Yeah, and if I could just kind of give a caveat here, I I want everybody to recognize I'm not here to sort of trash any religion or denomination or things like that. My my wife was born and raised Catholic, her family was. uh, Eventually they became Lutheran and She came to Christ later in life. Your husband was Mm -hmm. born and raised Catholic. So many of us have a Catholic background. I'm not here Mm -hmm. uh, to sort of, you know, pit one religion against another. All I want to do is just try to teach what Scripture has to say. And when we get former Catholics that come here, I'll often say, listen, I'm not trying to to get you to do anything. I just, sometimes I don't think we're taught the Word of God, even in Protestant denominations. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's one of the key issues is know the Word and, and know what it has to say on these issues. So, one of my biggest struggles often with, with people who have come from Catholicism or other religions is they don't have a real rooting in Scripture and the truth of the Word of God. So, when it comes to Catholics, we hold to this idea uh, of the Word of God being our final authority. Uh, they would hold to the fact that, yes, the Word of God is God's Word, but they also hold on an equal level Catholic tradition. So, when they butt up against each other, maybe Scripture doesn't align with Catholic tradition or Catholic tradition doesn't align with Scripture, then they would hold to Catholic tradition. And so I think that's just a dangerous thing to get into. Any theology is sort of man's understanding, and I think when we somehow put those on the same level, that's a critical thing uh, that I don't think we should be doing. Scripture is real clear, Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, all of Scripture is God-breathed. Profitable for teaching, correction, reproof, training, and righteousness, so the man, the woman of God might be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So we say at Sunnybrook, everything we teach needs to align with Scripture. So anything I say from the pulpit, you go back to the Word of God and you make sure that aligns with that. Uh, we don't hold traditions of the church on its equal value. Do we have traditions in our church? Absolutely but they always are subordinate to the Word of God. So that's one divergent opinion between us Protestants and Catholics as we hold to the Word of God as the final authority. They would hold to Scripture and Catholic tradition being on the same level, and sometimes tradition goes above Scripture.
1: Another thing and pretty public figure for the Catholic Church is the Pope. Um, can you talk a little bit about, especially for people who maybe don't have roots in Catholicism, what the office of the Pope really means and what they view that to be?
0: Yeah, and again, I don't want to be critical of you know a figure in another church. I recognize every pastor and those kinds of people are trying to be difference makers, and I'm sure the Pope is trying to do the same. One of the struggles I have with catholics theology on the pope is they would say he's the vicar of christ meaning he stands in the place of jesus here on this earth Mm. so when he speaks especially when he speaks ex cathedra from the seat then he's infallible Mm. now i don't see any man woman pastor being infallible i find the word of god to be infallible but i don't find a person to be i think we're all born sinners we all are fallible in our own nature, so uh, I'm just real concerned when I hear that the Pope becomes this figure. He, the position of the Pope actually, again, comes from Matthew chapter 16. I think we talked about it before, that confession. They, they would disagree when we say, hey, listen, as Protestants, you know, Christ established the church on the confession of Peter. They'd say, no, 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 no. He actually established the church on Peter himself, hmm. Peter being the first Pope, so... Uh, they would say, when Jesus said, I'm on this rock, they think he was speaking of Peter, and Peter becomes the first pope. We often talk about that in Israel. Can I mention Israel? Yeah. Uh, in John chapter 21, when Jesus kind of has this breakfast with Peter, and after Peter is denied him, he calls him back, and he tells him to feed his sheep, you know, they would say, hey, listen, this was the first pope, and there's been a succession ever since that. And Peter was infallible from that moment on, and the pope is as well. I just find it real hard to think that a human being, I think only Jesus and the Word of God is infallible.
1: I've not found you to be infallible, so that lines up. You
0: you and every other person out there.
1: (laughs) So then let's talk about the big one. Let's talk about salvation because there is very different theologies when it comes to salvation as well.
0: Yeah, this is the one that probably concerns me the most. And listen, I've met many Catholic Christians. I I would say that uh, best grandma when I first Mm -hmm. met her just was on fire for the Lord, even though she practiced Catholicism all of the time. But my biggest concern with theology of Catholicism is they don't believe that salvation comes through Christ alone. They would say it comes through Christ, but also through our works. And and the idea that somehow, um, you know, the substitutionary death of Jesus was not enough is really bothersome for me. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, it's not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And the portion of Scripture that brought me to Christ was Titus 3, 5, you know, not by works of righteousness that you and I do, but by His grace alone. And I think it's one of the key tenets of the Reformation was solo gratia, which means grace alone. That, that's what we're saved through, faith, grace And that alone, we don't need somehow to add to our salvation. Our good works can't possibly add to our salvation. It's through the finished work of Jesus Christ and our trust in that and in that alone. So that probably for me is the biggest struggle Mm -hmm. in their doctrine.
1: Mm I found it interesting i'm reading through first john right now and and it even talks about obedience and the importance of obedience and the importance of good works but every time it's mentioned it seems to be couched in between scripture that assures the believer that grace or salvation comes through grace alone.
0: Always. And, and I think good works are important. They mm-hmm. are. But they come in a subsequent fashion to mm-hmm. salvation. First we come to know Christ and then through the power of the Spirit of God we do good works. It's one of the reasons Martin Luther, who was a part of the Reformation, struggled so much with the book of James. He mm-hmm. saw it as the straw mm-hmm. epistle because it talks so much about works. And he wanted to be clear that we are saved sola fide, sola gratia, faith alone, grace alone and not by our works. And I I, I just think that's a critical doctrine to Protestants. Mm
1: -hmm. So then another kind of differentiation we have, and this one's always been a little bit confusing to me, is what happens after death, because there's a pretty kind of spelled out in Catholicism process that happens after someone dies versus what Protestants would believe scripture says.
0: Yeah, again, we would believe as Protestants, the moment, uh, you know, spiritually speaking, the moment our life ends, our spirit immediately goes into the presence of God. There's no intermediate state. You, you go to the presence of the Lord. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 would be a good portion of Scripture to look at. Now, we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have this building from God, an eternal house not built by human hands. And then he ends this way. Absent from the body is at Home with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Meaning, the moment our spirit leaves our body, you and I are in the presence mm-hmm. of God if we know Christ is our Savior forevermore.
1: I mean, you go to the thief on the cross today, you will be with me. It's in a paradise. good
0: example. The thief mm-hmm. on the cross would be an excellent example. Not in time to come, not after you go through further suffering, but immediately today, mm-hmm. you're going to be with me in paradise. Uh, Catholics would hold to the idea that everybody, unless you're a saint, uh, actually goes mm-hmm. to purgatory. Um, and you spend some time there being further cleansed from your sin. Uh, usually this comes from the passage of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. So, I, I, again, recognize Catholics had scripture that mm-hmm. support their views as well. I just, uh, I don't agree with the interpretation. But talks about, you know, all of the works that have been done in this world pass through this fire, and what is gold and jewels, you know, has been refined, but what's hood, hay, and stubble has been burned up, and they think that has something to do with a soul being readied Mm. someday to spend in heaven. Um, Really, we think that's talking about your works, the things that either are going to, you know, kind of burn up because they were done in an earthly fashion, a fleshly fashion, versus, you know, storing up treasures in heaven, things that were done of an eternal nature and eternal value, those are going to be gold and jewels. It refers more to our rewards than it does to our salvation. So... I really struggle with that idea that somehow, again, the sufficiency of Christ's death and burial and resurrection was not enough. Mm -hmm. This idea that somehow you and I have to further pay for our sins goes against everything we read in Scripture, whether it's the book of Hebrews where he's looking back and he's talking about, hey, listen, this is finished, this is done. Uh, The thief on the cross, the word to tetelestai that Jesus Mm -hmm. used, it's finished. Meaning there is no need for any further sacrifice. I just think it goes against the grain of all of that.
1: Last one I want to cover just really quickly is Mary. Let's talk about Mary for a second because that is a huge difference we see in beliefs as well.
0: Yeah, we could talk a lot about this, but again, the Catholics just have a higher opinion of Mary. Uh, They believe, you know, when the angel comes to her that, and he says, listen, you know, you're going to be full. Of grace we believe that was for that moment of carrying the Christ child in and they think that now she becomes a dispenser of grace to other people mm-hmm. uh, some would actually say that that she's a co-redemptus with Christ not all Catholics but some would hold to that sort of a position uh, often people will say she was a perpetual virgin uh, that she remained a virgin some people will say she was sinless we just don't see that anywhere in scripture when mm-hmm. Protestants search scripture on those issues in fact, I remember I was brought into a woman's Bible study one time not so long ago, and, you know, they were struggling with, it's actually Matthew 13, 55, where it, it talks about Jesus and that he had four brothers and that he mm-hmm. had at least two sisters because the, the word sisters is just um, a, a plural, plural word, so it's, it's more than one. And, and again, Catholics holding mm-hmm. to the perpetual virginity of marriage. They, Mary didn't have any other children, Jesus and mm-hmm. Jesus alone. Often they will say there was, those were cousins of Jesus. They weren't actually Uh, offspring of Jesus. But again, there's nothing in a union of a man and a wife, Joseph and Mary, that would somehow taint who Jesus was or who Mary was. Uh, Again, I think Scripture's pretty clear that she had children. She wasn't perpetually a virgin. I think Scripture's pretty clear that, you know, when she cries out the fact that in the Magnificat Mm -hmm. uh, that this is Jesus, my Savior, that she too was a sinner that was in need of the grace that Jesus would provide. So, uh, again, that she is somehow a co-redemptus with Christ, that she is somehow sinless, or that she is somehow somebody that we should pray to, those kinds of things, I just don't find in Scripture. And I think those things are a part of that tradition that sometimes they put over Scripture. And I think those two things should be switched around. We should always interpret tradition in light of Scripture.
1: Just quickly before we close, I've gotten this question too. So, you know, Sunnybrook used to fall under the Reformed Church kind of category. We're now non-denominational, but we've talked about Catholic. What about Methodist and Lutheran? Is there kind of like a spectrum and it starts in Catholic (laughs) and works its way back to us? Or what would you say?
0: Yeah, again, I would say this about Methodists, Lutherans, whoever they are, as long as, again, they're Bible-believing churches that believe that salvation comes through Jesus Christ, how they're set up in terms of their government, how they're set up in terms of ministry, is going to be a little bit different. But again, I would say this of all churches, even independent churches like Sunnybrook, there are good churches that hold to the truth of word of God and that salvation comes through Christ, and there are churches who no longer hold to that, have have gone in sort of this different fashion, become very liberal with their theology and thinking. Honestly, it didn't matter what denomination is. Everybody can go wayward. And I think that's why you look at a denomination as a church, as an individual and say, listen, it didn't really matter who they are. What do they believe? What do they hold to? What's their statement of faith?
1: If you're someone who maybe comes from a different church background and wants to know more about maybe Sunnybrook theology or what we're talking about and what Sunnybrook believes the belief statements that we hold to we just did a series entitled Creed and it really just walked through all of that pretty in depth each week you can maybe look by subject if there's a certain area that you're struggling with but I would encourage you if you have someone in your life that needs that information or if you yourself do that would be a great series to check out thank you so much for joining us today we will see you again next week If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your
0: podcast. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at sunnybrookchurch.org or download the Sunnybrook Church app. And
1: again, thanks for listening to the Sunnybrook Community Church Podcast.